Welcome to Up Next with Tommy Lee, with influential Christian leaders sharing their passions and purpose in personal conversations. And now, founder and president of Resource Global, managing partner of Barnabas Group Chicago, and your host on Up Next, Tommy Lee. Hi, you're listening to Up Next on AM 1160. I'm Jimmy Lee. I'm uh, sitting in for my brother, Tommy, who is out of the country, um, hosting an event in Indonesia. And my co-host today is Dr. John Feuder, who you've heard on the station many times. Doc, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Jimmy. Thank you. Yeah, and our guest today is Jessica Rice. Jessica is a communications consultant and blogger, as well as also a church planter in New York City in Harlem. So, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, most of our listeners, Jessica, is here in the Chicagoland area. Tell us about what life is like in Harlem. Yeah. Yes. Um, So I love Harlem and have lived here for uh, almost seven years. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's a really unique place. Um, Harlem, for a lot of people, they know it kind of as this mecca of black culture in Mm -hmm. the United States um, for the important role it played in the Harlem Renaissance years ago. Um, and then at the same time, it's here in New York City, um, which as a city and as a whole has gone through and is going through so much change. So you have um, these strong ties to his- history and rich culture and really amazing people um, that make up the community of Harlem. You also have an infusion of people from around the world and different cultures and uh, gentrification is happening here as it is in most cities in the U.S. So it really is this mix of different cultures. You know, on my way into the office today, I walked past uh, the state office building here on 125th Street, which is this main thoroughfare. And um, there's the state office building, which is dedicated to Adam Clayton Powell, who was the first african-american congressman from new york city and then you know there's jazz music being played by musicians in the square there and you know there's people um speaking different languages and european tourists and you know just a real melting pot of different cultures all kind of coming together in harlem that's great i love it hey jess can you help our listeners understand how did you negotiate in five years ago forming church in the midst of all that the way you learned your community um discovering yeah. yeah those footholds felt needs talk to us a little bit about that yeah absolutely so um first in terms of kind of figuring out um how why to plant in harlem my husband yeah. jordan uh is from new york uh, he grew up not in the city, but in the county just north of the city, Westchester County. And uh, New York, in New York City, basketball is king, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he grew up playing basketball, and he'd often come into Harlem on Saturdays and play basketball. Rucker Park is the historic, you know, basketball mm-hmm. land. And so he always grew up coming into Harlem and loved Harlem and um went away to school in different parts of the country and even studied law and found himself kind of later in life with this call to, to retire from law um, and wow. plant a church. Yeah. And um, he retired like as a, a young real, man, right? <laughs> yes, right <laughs> <Wow>. exactly. Retired <laughs> okay. with plan to do more work. Okay, yes, okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. He was part of a family firm with his parents. 
and um, decided to leave that that firm to start a church. And um, a lot of that actually was influenced by a talk even he heard given by Tim Keller back in maybe 2000, um, I want to say maybe 2011, 2012, um, and feeling this real burden to start something in the city. And really because a place like Harlem um, has a ton of historic churches, right? There's a lot of churches in Harlem that have done amazing things in this community. But with the neighborhood changing and a lot of new people coming in and younger people coming in and different races moving into the neighborhood um, as a part of gentrification and the normal rhythms of city life, uh, Jordan really felt like there was this opportunity to start a church that could be for everyone in the neighborhood because for a lot of the newer people who were moving in, there wasn't necessarily a church where they would find themselves fitting in or being welcomed. And for people maybe who'd been in the neighborhood and had been disenchanted by maybe some of the traditional churches or things that, you know, church hurt or whatever it may have been, where could those people go within their neighborhood? Um, And what would it look like really for there to be a church that was a meeting place and a place where you're seeing all these diverse people that, when you walk down the street, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to be walking together and talking together and eating together. What if they were all worshiping in the same place? I love that. Um, and so a huge you know, burden that he felt was for a diverse church, that that is what heaven will look like. And um, yeah. you know that we needed something like that in Harlem. And I think particularly for you know, a millennial, um, I'm not even sure what the generation is post-millennial, but for, you know, that age range of, say, 20 to 40, um, you have a lot of people who really do feel this burden of, I want to be in diverse spaces, um, and that includes where I worship on Sundays. So um, that was a lot of, you know, how we ended up in Harlem, and then in terms of really kind of figuring out, okay, what does church in a meaningful way, like how does the gospel hit here in our neighborhood? Um, I think it was certainly reconciliation. Um, How do we bring diverse people who otherwise wouldn't be talking to each other together and use the gospel um, not as a tool to kind of brush over our differences and and skirt around the real challenges that we have, um, but how do we use that to level the playing field and to exercise forgiveness and to, you know, look to listen and to work together and serve together and all those different things. So that was huge. Um, And then also to just, I think, again, there's a lot of people in our context who maybe grew up going to church, but um, weren't necessarily being exposed to gospel centered theology on a week to week basis. And so, um, I think that there's lots of people, we, we live in a very liberal context, but at the end of the day, they might say, yeah, you know, I like Renaissance because you guys are just always talking about Jesus uh-huh. and the gospel, you know what nice. I mean? And yeah. um, stripping away a lot of the other things that can get in the way and really just helping people explore what they believe about this guy named Jesus, because, mm. you know, depending on what they believe, that really will change everything. Yeah. Um, in the way that they work and the way they relate to others and the way that they serve. So. Yeah. Well, you're listening to Up Next on AM 1160. I'm Jimmy Lee, and my co-host today is Dr. John Feuder. 
And we are talking to Jessica Rice, um, communications consultant, blogger with Renaissance Church in Harlem. So, Jessica, I know that you also have two young sons, Jameson mm-hmm. and Josiah. What, how, yeah. how are you, as, as much as you, I, I, we're going to continue talking about the church, but as a parent of mm-hmm. these two young boys, how have you been intentional about helping them to recognize um, the place that they live in and um, how to really kind of introduce God's love um, into that a city like Harlem? Mm-hmm. Wow, so that's a great question. Um, so yeah, my sons are four and one. So um, hey, my two four year old. Yeah, yes. Oh, I have well, a f- you- he's got girls. <laughs> yeah, three, we have three girls, and then we have another oh, one who's goodness. like literally two months old. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! I know, I know. And yeah. I I send all my love to you because my husband and I are definitely at that phase where we're. Just grateful to be sleeping regularly again. Oh, <laughs> let me just say, this morning we we walked out having to apologize to each other because uh, the frustration of the kids actually kind of got to us, and we ended up. Uh... Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. I think there are many days where we were like, "Are we going to make it through yeah. this?" No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sleep has definitely restored mm. all things. So um, yeah, so for the for the four year old in particular, um, I mean, one of the ways even that we thought about um, just infusing him in our community and appreciating our community is in the schooling that he receives. So, um, you know, in New York City, it's a very complicated and complex system, and you can be on waiting lists and, you know, apply. I'm, I'm sure maybe people have heard about people who put their kids on waiting lists for schools before they're even born so that they can get into the school that they want to get into. And yeah. There's zoning and districting and all kinds of different things, and uh, we're very passionate about supporting the public school system in our neighborhood, um, particularly as there's disparities um, between the schools in Harlem and other parts of the city. And our church actually meets in a public school. We rent our space nice. from a public school. And so this really nurtured a uh, passion for uh, Jordan and I, for Jordan and me. And so he goes to the public school that is right across the street from where we live and it's so important for him to kind of know his neighbors and um, invest in his neighbors and appreciate his neighbors, the different languages spoken by kids in his, in his neighborhood um, and, and their different cultures. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think a lot of people sometimes find it curious that we would choose the public school close to us um, because it feels like, Oh no, you have to go with the private charter or the private school or whatever it is, but that's one way that we really feel like we want him embedded in our neighborhood, um, that people know him, that people on the playground know him, the older guys who um, may just be hanging out, maybe doing some um, illicit activities as well, sure, but we sure. want him knowing everyone and, and kind of seeing the God in everyone, um, appreciating all his neighbors. We're blessed to also live in a building it has a lot of elderly people. Our neighbor has lived in our building for nearly 60 years. Wow. wow. Um, and so the things that she's seen um, and the change and those kinds of things, we love to just invite him to have conversations with her and to know his neighbors and, and talk to them and, and see them as extended family. Um, so that's one thing. But it's also when we walk around our neighborhood it's, you know, do you hear those languages that are being spoken? And isn't it cool that we get to live in a place where 
Um, we hear all these different things. Isn't it cool that we get to get on the train and we get to see so many different people? Yeah, well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in the next 30 seconds with Up Next. You're listening to Up Next with Tommy Lee on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hi, you're listening to Up Next. I'm Jimmy Lee, sitting in for my brother Tommy today. My co-host today is Dr. John Feuder. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for joining us. And then we're talking to Jessica Rice from Harlem. Um, Jessica is one of the co-founders and co-leaders of Renaissance Church. Jessica, earlier before we took our break, we just talked about the intentionality that you placed on helping your two young boys um, really showing God's love in a place like Harlem. And one of the things we wanted to do is continue this conversation. As we're all living in the city and there's more and more pressures for us, both from a responsibility, from a church perspective, from all of the different things that are going on in our city, what are ways that you and your husband have really kind of protected your marriage and made a priority for that? And also, how do you do that in light of being a mother and parents to two young little boys? Yes, um, it's certainly not easy. Uh, I think one of the one of the key things actually uh, is Sabbath, a, rev- a rhythm of Sabbath that we are pretty pretty committed to. Um, there's only, for us, it's Fridays. Um, and generally, we drop my older son off at school. We still typically have the one-year-old home with us. But we really try to unplug from email and social media and, you know, figure out, even if it's for my husband and I to split our time, you take three hours off to do something, um, or I take the baby away for three hours, so you can veg on the couch and just kind of reflect whatever it may be to really commit on Fridays to, uh, to have that time of rest and reflection, uh, to center ourselves around God, to be grateful for all the things he's created. Um, and we always ask each other questions like what was your greatest joy and challenge this week, as well as what is God teaching you this week? And I find that that's really um, a great rhythm for us to kind of get into each other's inter- internal world and, and reconnect. Uh, so that's been really helpful. Mm, that's great. That. That's a that's a real habit, isn't it, Jess? A holy habit, as it were. It is that you're establishing. It really is. I, I just bravo. I applaud you there. Uh, I think that can sustain you for many, many years to come. Plus, you you guys started out of the blocks, right? Newly married, uh, and planted your church, didn't you? So from the yes, very get go, you've needed that Sabbath, haven't you? Yes. In fact, we were so grateful to we reflect on that now that the church is about to turn five this September. Uh, that we started our rhythm of Sabbath when the church started. And, you know, it was rocky, kind of trying to figure out what it would actually look like, um, learning to trust that things would be okay and not fall apart. Um, But now, five years later, it's hard for me to imagine if we had not established that rhythm in the beginning, what things would look like for us. And actually, we're, we're planning to do, as a family, an extended Sabbath this summer. So, July and August, we're taking time away from our church, and um, yeah, it's it's a little scary. I'm sure more so for my husband than me, but I'm really excited for the time to just reflect on all that God's done and refueled. And you know, the goal is to be loving our church 25 years from now, and so mm-hmm. we feel strongly that this is the right rhythm to help us be able to do that. 
I love that. Who's the one between both you and your husband? Who's the one who pushes for this Sabbath or this rest? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. So I, I'm actually more of we just we've learned that we rest in different ways. Mm-hmm. So because he's such a, a pusher and like driver in terms of getting things done at work, and then when it comes to rest, I want to kind of be out and about exploring the city and finding something good to eat. And that's when he's usually wanting to be calm on the couch. So we have to do a lot of negotiations about like, okay, we can go get a meal that will last an hour and then we can find you time on the couch. Um, But he, um, he's really good at pushing for it. I mean, he tends to feel really bad if he finds himself um, needing to cut into it, you know, and really tries the following week to to prevent against that. Because I think he realizes how much his soul needs that time of rest. Um, And so... And that's not easy, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially when you're living in a city, I right. feel like the pressure in the mm-hmm. city forces you to always be going, partly just because everybody else is. That's true. Um, so there's yeah. there's a lot of intentionality mm-hmm. to, and, and a lot of work in actually just taking that time away. That's right. Definitely. And a lot of Definitely. people don't do Sabbath well, do they, Jess? Like, I, I love that, yeah. that that was your first response because I think particularly those that are younger in their journey, uh, that, um, yeah, that habit you're forming is going to sustain you. God willing for a long time. I hope so. I really do. I think, I mean, it's been a game changer. And I, I mean, for our friends who are our age and in ministry, we try to, you know, beat this into them as well, because it's so <laughs> easy to see how people are addicted to being busy. Right. And, you know, it's not even necessarily the fear. It really does become an addiction at a certain point that it you does. must be producing and going. And yeah. um, it's just been so life-giving for us. Yeah. yeah. Ministry can do that, too. Well, you're you're listening yeah. up next on AM 1160. I'm Jimmy Lee. My co-host today is Dr. John Feuder. We're talking to Jessica Rice. Um Jessica, I, I guess just a, a quick pivot, maybe from some of our conversation, but this kind of applies as well too. You know, communications has changed. Um, you know, we live in a world where um, content is king, and we see companies like Disney and Netflix and Hulu, and you know, podcasts being created. Um, even podcasts like this is really trying to reach a certain audience um, through um, through the work that we're trying to do, communication, all of that other stuff too. In a weird world where everything there's a pressure to broadcast and to share stories on a continual manner to connect with individuals how do you disconnect from this world that we live in that's a great question i do i i give a lot of thought to this i think these days uh just because of my background in communications and because of everything you said about the pressures to always be sharing producing content more and more and more but then what is the Christian response, particularly if you're trying to have a life that's centered on Jesus and you're trying to find moments where you break away and you Sabbath and you rest and, and all the things and how do you kind of live in this tension of the world is moving so fast. And I feel like the rhythms that we saw Jesus model were ones of just in the height of his ministry and activity, right. he'd disappear That's and then, true. you yeah. know, kind of fall off the map. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, right. it just totally confounded those who were watching him. And I think um, one of the biggest things that is, is I think part of my training in communications as well, though, is that 
we often see the the tactical things, all the things that we can be doing. So you can have the Instagram feed and you can have the YouTube channel and you can have the podcast. So we see all the different channels we can be working and we assume we need to be in all the spaces. Um, and we haven't necessarily asked the question, but to what end? Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of us need to stop and not chase after the new shiny thing, mm-hmm. but really ask. The, the meaningful questions of to what end, you know, so we have to be very mission focused and say, what is it that I'm trying to do? What is this, this, what's the space God wants me to occupy or the message he needs me to share the people that I need to reach? Maybe those people are not on Instagram. And so for as most, uh, as much as, you know, that's the hot platform and I should be posting one or two times a day is the common, you know, wisdom, if my audience isn't actually using Instagram, my time would be much better served in another space. And so I think it's all about being very mission focused and clear about what it is you're trying to do and say, you know, well, where can I be the most effective? Because I can't be everywhere and do it all well uh, without burning out or losing myself. So asking where is it that I really need to be or who is it that I really need to reach? And what are maybe one or two or three channels that I could use to do that, do it well, and not be exhausted in the process? Mm-hmm. Jessica, I feel like there's a book in all of what you just said. <laughs> yeah. That Come you can on, write, Jess. especially towards parents and how they relate to their kids about that. Yeah, so see, you've got two months of summer now, <laughs> July and August. <laughs> no. There we go. I can just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, can we ask you, do we have about two minutes left, Jess? So Jimmy and I are part of a, a, a church in Chicago called Park, which is multi-site, number of locations, some of which meet at schools. You you mentioned something before break about in the next five years looking to maybe add or plant churches' locations. Can, talk a little bit about the criteria, your journey on that, because um, we're, we're in a similar space here in, in Chicago, trying to make sense out of that. Yeah, so um, we've occupied a public school and elementary and middle school in Harlem for the five years that our church has existed. And when I tell you, it's been an incredible experience. I mean, the, the church meets in the school that is actually on the block where Jordan and I had our first apartment in the city. And after knocking on so many doors, trying to find a place to meet, uh, Jordan randomly met or randomly, seemingly randomly met the <laughs> principal on the front steps. And he was like, yeah, you can run space here and nice. you can store stuff here. And it was just amazing. And since then, what we've been able to do in the school has been incredible. Um, so we are really big advocates for um, seeing those kinds of partnerships form, particularly okay. with the challenges in education and stuff in New York City. Yeah. Um, in fact, we just recently baptized one of the principals, the vice principal wow. from the school where wow. we meet just that a couple so weeks good. ago. Yeah. So Way to go. It's amazing. It's been amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And so we are also looking for people, though, who have a really good hold on culture in mm-hmm. New York City, you know, mm-hmm. preferably people who are from the Bronx or from Harlem, um, who can certainly navigate skeptics and then also people who bring their traditional experience. I mean, it's just such a wide range of experiences that people have had when it comes to God in New York City. So um, we're definitely praying for the right people to come around that we can send people from our congregation with them to, to plant vibrant churches. Way to go. Blessings on you. Well, Jessica, thank you so much. This was a great pleasure, and um, we're so glad that you're able to join us. 
For this conversation, as well as other conversations, you can go to www.upnext.city. You've been listening to Up Next with host Tommy Lee, getting to know another influential leader. To hear past episodes, visit upnext.city. That's upnext.city. Join Tommy for Up Next, Saturdays at 3.30 on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.